be seated for a moment tonight, and we may sing some more, we may do some other things, but I wanted to, just the Lord impress upon my heart, to have you take your Bibles for just a moment. John chapter 3, this, this isn't the message uh, for tonight, and uh, Lord willing, we'll still get to that. But I just feel impressed to the Lord tonight to just share a couple things with you. You know, all this singing tonight, you'll notice that what we have sung are songs of comfort and love. Lord Jesus Christ loves you. And, uh, you know, one of, the, one of the great songs that we, we find in our hymn book is, Does Jesus Care When I've Said Goodbye? And I ask all those questions throughout. Does Jesus care? Does Jesus care? And then the chorus says, Oh, yes, he cares. I know he cares. And what a wonderful truth of God's word to know. But maybe you're here tonight and saying, well, it's wonderful to sing about all those things, but can you prove that? Do you know from Scripture, does the Bible really say that God loves me? In John chapter 3, we read perhaps the most famous verse in the world. A lot of people have this verse memorized and never picked up a Bible. You hear it on programs, you see it at sporting events held up on uh, poster boards and things, and people like to put these on the side of the road in front of their home, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Think about that. God loved you so much that he was willing to part with his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Look, if you will, at John chapter 3, and we'll begin just reading a little bit at the beginning. We hear the story here of Nicodemus. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. And Nicodemus came to the Lord Jesus Christ, impressed by the power of God, knowing the miracles that Jesus could do and seeing all that was transpiring in his ministry. But Jesus wasn't interested in explaining the miracles. He didn't take the time to lay out why he had such power. He addressed quickly the man's spiritual needs. He said in verse 3, Jesus answered, said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You know, there's a lot of Bible words that, that describe the moment you accept Christ as your Savior. The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I like that word. I like singing about save, saved. I'm on my way to heaven. I, I like to know that, that I'm a child of God. When we talk about uh, that moment that we accept Christ as our Savior, Jesus Christ called it here, except a man be born again. Uh, we can become a new creature in Christ. Behold, all things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And, and I want to I ask you tonight, friend, are you, are you fed up with trying? He said, what do you mean? We try so hard to work our way through this life, and we try so hard to impress a holy God, and we work and we work and we work, and the Bible says in Isaiah that all of our righteousnesses are but filthy rags in the sight of God. 
That doesn't mean God doesn't love us or God doesn't care or God does not care about what we are doing, uh, but it simply means that it's just not enough. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's no way to tip the scales in your favor. There's nothing that you can do that will outweigh the sin that you have done. For your sin condemned Jesus to the cross. Because the Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. Amen. And listen, by the way, that, that wage, that, that penalty of sin, it was paid by Jesus Christ. He condemned his own son that we might have eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus said to Nicodemus, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. There's no other way. Except a man do good works, he didn't say that. Except a man go to church. Except a man live a religious lifestyle. No, a man must be born again. A man must come to Jesus Christ. A man must uh, put off the old and take on the new only because the Holy Spirit has transformed his life that moment he called upon Jesus. Nicodemus had questions, obviously, and he said unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily I say unto thee, except a man be born of water, physical life, and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. It is a spiritual birth. A spiritual birth. There's nothing you can do to work it out. There's nothing you can do to earn it. There's others that have come to Jesus and said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And they were always found to fall short. Repent and believe, the Bible says. Turn from our sins, turn from our works, turn from our ways, turn from all religious thoughts, turn from everything that we think will get us to heaven and trust in Jesus, only Jesus. John 14 says, Jesus Christ is talking about heaven and he said to the disciples, I, I go to prepare a place for you, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions, if we're not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you and if I go... Prepare a place for you, I will come again. And receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Thomas saith unto him, how can we know the way? Jesus said, I, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. Understand that was not a statement of arrogance. That was a statement of fact. Because Jesus is the only one who died. Jesus is the only one that shed his blood. Jesus is the only one that took your place. He's the only one that paid your price. It was Jesus. I, you know, I get tired of all the confusion. We were talking today at lunch, Bethany and Ida and I, and uh, somebody was talking about somebody with the Muslim faith, and well, I can see how easily they could uh, confused. I, I worked with Muslims for several years in, in the city. And they said, we believe in one God. I said, we believe in one God too. But the Trinity completely confuses them. They can't understand that God had a son. 
that God was manifest in the flesh. Well, friend, if Adam and Eve had never sinned, God wouldn't have had to do that. But God sent his son manifest in the flesh. The Bible says, and the word, in in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and the word was made flesh, and he dwelt among us. And we beheld his glories of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. God became flesh for one purpose. He could pay your price. Oh, there's a lot of things he did before he got there. But that was his destiny from the day he was born. To die on an old rugged cross that should have been yours and should have been mine. I'm not here to insult anybody when I say that you're a sinner because I'm a sinner too. I'm deeply aware of it. And then my sin has sent my Savior to the cross of Calvary. That he shed his blood for my sins. Nicodemus did not understand He says, that which is born of the flesh, Jesus says, is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Mortal not that I said unto you, you must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof. But canst not tell when it cometh, and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the spirit. He says, you may not understand this, but you don't understand the wind either. You can't see it, but you can sure see its effects. When the Holy Spirit sweeps through into your life and begins to change you, He will make you a new creature in Christ. You may not understand all that took place. You might be here tonight and say, well, I don't understand what justification is and what propitiation is and all these big Bible words. I just, I I can't wrap my mind around them. Listen, can you understand this? You must be born again. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Can you understand these words? Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. The Bible says in 1 John 5, 12, uh, he that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. It's that simple, friends. Either you have Jesus or you don't. Do you know him tonight? And if you know him, you can be reconciled to the Father. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That, that, That put a chasm between us. That separated us, that put a distance. But if you know Christ and he forgives you and cleanses you of your sin, you can know the Father once again. That's the simple message of the gospel. Jesus Christ died according to the scriptures. He was buried and he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It sounds so simple, and it is, because Christ did all the work. It's all finished, but you have to believe. In your heart tonight, you have to believe. I can't do that for you. I can hold up a Bible and I can preach to you what it says and I can show you where to find Jesus and how to... Uh, somebody said this, I think it's so good, uh, all, all we are in life is this. We're just one beggar trying to help another beggar find bread. And I'm just a beggar up here tonight trying to help you find bread. The bread of life, Jesus Christ. And if you know him, you can know eternal life. Would you just bow your heads and close your eyes just for a moment? It's kind of an odd time to do an invitation in the middle of a service, but I just feel impressed upon my heart tonight not to, not to mess around. Daniel, would you just play something softly?
Maybe there's one here tonight. Say, Pastor, I'm not sure I'm saved. Here, here's, here's what I know, and this may sound selfish. I want to be able to lay my head down tonight and say that at least I did my very best to tell everybody in that room how they can be saved. But my best is not good enough. I've, I've come to understand that. The Holy Spirit must work. And so, Christian, would you pray for God's Holy Spirit to speak to hearts right now? To move in a supernatural way? To do what only He can do? Except a man be born of the water and of the Spirit. He must be born of the Spirit. The Spirit of God must do something. Maybe you're here tonight and say, Pastor, I'm not sure I've ever trusted Christ. I've trusted a lot of other things. I think I'm good enough to go to heaven and I... I do good works and I go to church, but I, I've never just truly trusted in Jesus alone. I'm trying and I'm trying and I'm trying. But you know, when you're trying, you're railing against God who said, it is finished. Stop trying and start trusting, believing that what God did was enough. Is there one tonight say, Pastor, I'm not sure I'm saved. I promise you, I will not embarrass you. I'm not going to call it your name. I don't want to do that. Listen, listen, can, can I say this? I am not up here to try to make you doubt your salvation. But I know this. If I can make you doubt your salvation, Satan is going to have a heyday with you. Because he is way smarter than me. He's manipulative. He is the deceiver. And he would love to just drag you through this life with no joy, no peace. Why don't you get it settled? I I looked to my left and I saw Wanda. Came to our church for 40 years. And five years ago accepted Christ as her Savior. I'm proud of her for that. That takes a lot of humility to walk up and say, "I, I don't think I was ever saved. My wife down here at the altar was a pastor's wife for several years before she accepted Christ as her Savior. There's no shame in it. But if you would say, Pastor, I'm not sure. Would you pray for me? I'm not going to embarrass you. I won't call you out. I promise you that. Nobody's looking around. Would you slip up your hand right now? Just raise your hand. Slip it up. Pastor, would you pray for me? I'm not sure I'm saved. Let me ask you the flip side of that. Are you absolutely 100% sure if you were to step off into eternity today that you would end up in the presence of Christ in heaven? Are you sure? We're, We're just tonight talking about a young man in his 20s who met his creator this morning. So well, it won't happen to me. Nobody thinks it'll happen. Do you know him? Do you know him? One last time, let me ask, are you absolutely sure you'd go to heaven? If not, let us help you tonight. Let us take a Bible. And we'll show you what it means to have eternal life. Somebody would do it right now. They'd slip out of this service in a heartbeat to answer any questions that you have. Is God speaking to your heart? Amen. Well, I'm going to...
go off record here, Brother Judge, and in case you hadn't noticed. Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. I, I just want to share something else with you now, all right? I, don't, I have no clue what time it is, so sorry. Luke chapter 15. I want to share with you some more good news. You know that the gospel is good news, right? Oswald Smith said the gospel is only good news for those that hear it in time. But it's good news. I mean, to hear the gospel, to hear that Jesus shed his blood and died on a cross, that doesn't sound good. But it is. Because it was him or you. It was him or you. And so many still choose to pay the price for their own sins. They do. They reject the Lord Jesus Christ. And they choose to face God on their own terms. Uh, I, I don't understand when the, when the price has been paid. The gift has been given. Grace has been offered. Mercy has been extended. Pardon is available. And yet they choose to pay the price on their own. Friend, don't leave here tonight unless you know Jesus as your Savior. But can I, can I just go one more step tonight? In Luke chapter 15, maybe tonight you're straying from God. I kind of talked to folks earlier who maybe don't know Christ, don't have a relationship with God through his son Jesus, have not accepted his gift of salvation. But you know, you can be sitting in a church service three times a week and still be so far from God and backslidden. And the problem with being far from God is sometimes we don't know our way back. In Luke chapter 15, we read of the story of the prodigal. And what a wonderful story to find that the father is always there. And he still loves. And we can make our way back and when we find him and when we know him. And listen, by the way, uh, if, you're, if you're out tonight and you're running from God and you're, you're struggling in your walk with him, uh, it's not hard to find him. Because if you're a child of God, he will never leave you nor forsake you. He's right there. And yet the devil has deceived you into thinking he's, he's too far off. It's too hard to come back. Perhaps some church folks have made it hard. We don't want to go back. We don't want to walk down to that altar. We don't want to repent of our sin for the fear of people castigating and looking down upon us. Friend, forget about them. They got the wrong spirit. I got the wrong attitude. Christ wants to forgive you and love you. I, I've been thrilled throughout this, this season of ministry. It's, it's, boy, it's odd, isn't it? It's different. Some, some of you folks come at 8.30 and some come at 10.30 and you wonder if the other one died. You don't know. You say, I didn't see so-and-so in church. Well, they didn't see you either. They were in the other service. And it is just an odd, and I'm going to tell you, if you come at 8.30, it's a real different service than it is at 10.30. In 8.30, I told my wife, I said, I'm in my head, I'm going through my message about three sentences ahead and thinking whether I should throw that out because of time. At 10.30, we don't worry about the clock. We just preach. And so it's just been a very strange season of ministry. But one thing that's been a blessing to me 
is hearing not only at Bethel Baptist Church, but reports from other churches of some people that had walked away that are now coming back. Some that had strayed and realized, no, I, I need God more than ever. And I need a real relationship with the Lord. And we see in Luke chapter 15, the story of the prodigal son. Look, if you will, in verse 11, it says, And he said, A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that followeth to me, and divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. When he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land. And he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. And am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. He arose and came to his father, but when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him, listen, and had compassion, and ran, and fell on his neck, and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe. Put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. And he was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Let's pray. Father, help us. Maybe there's one here tonight that's lost. Lost in the sense that they don't know Jesus as their Savior. And Father, in a very feeble way, I, I tried to share the simple gospel, but I prayed that the Holy Spirit would take it now and continue to work in their hearts. Let them know there's a God that loves them. And Lord, I'm also impressed tonight that maybe there's somebody here tonight that, that's been running from God. I didn't say running from church. They're here faithfully. And yet their heart is so far from God. They're struggling with bitterness and anger. Maybe they're struggling with fear or resentment. Whatever it might be that's keeping them to have a right relationship with God, I pray that you'd remind them in the next few minutes that the Father still loves them too and wants to be reconciled and wants to have a relationship with them and wants to bless them. So, Father, again, take my feeble, stammering lips and fill me with thy Holy Spirit, I pray. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 13 tells us about the younger son who gathered all that he had together, the substance of his own living plus the inheritance from his father, and he took his journey, the Bible says, into a far country. There he wasted his substance with riotous living. You know, I was thinking about that far country, and I, as I think about it, I think we could call that far country a lot of different things. I think we could call it bitterness, for one. 
A lot of times the people of God are often quite bitter against one another. Well, he hasn't sang my favorite hymn in a while. He hasn't preached the message like I would like to hear. And, you know, people get angry about the pastor's style or perhaps I shout too much or perhaps I'm too quiet. Perhaps I preach too long. Perhaps I preach too short. We become bitter or angry. Somebody in the church has wronged us. So we go into that faraway country of bitterness. Perhaps it's grief. Maybe that country that is so far from God is grief, and we blame God for the loss. We wonder why God would take them. We, 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 we just can't seem to wrap our hearts and our minds around it, even though the comforter's been right there trying to minister to you and help you all along. We can't seem to figure out why. We go off into that place of grief and sorrow. Perhaps it's anger. Issues with anger controlling our temper. It drives us away from God. I want to tell you tonight that whatever has taken to that place, you know, sometimes it's not always something that's going on. Sometimes it's an external thing. Maybe it's a place called sin. Maybe it's the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. And you think maybe, maybe there's more. Maybe just like the prodigal son, you're looking to that faraway country, a place where, where your father cannot see you or find you, a place where you can live riotously and spend all your living and have a great time thinking that the world is a better place than the shelter of God's church, the shelter of being in the family of God. But notice what happens when he gets there. The Bible says in verse 14, and when he had spent all, by the way, that always runs out. You can't live on bitterness for very long. You can't live on anger for very long. You can't live in sorrow and grief and and expect to have an abundant life. You can't live in sin and not expect the penalty to start catching up with you. And the Bible says, and when he has spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land. Listen, that land offered him much. It was the land of golden opportunity. It was the grass that was greener on the other side of the fence. It was something that he had heard about from afar and that he wanted to travel to and see the bright lights and the big city. But it left him wanting and then a famine hit. And he had no substance in himself to carry on. Understand that this is a parable, right? A parable is a a story that Jesus would tell that had a great spiritual truth. This is, this is not a, uh, an, an exact uh, description of something that took place. This is, you, you can't chalk this up and say, well, you know, that happened to that guy, but it'll never happen to me. No, this is God talking about the condition of hearts straying from him and going off into some far country, a place of whatever you want to call that country, sin. But whatever it is, it's a faraway place. Thinking we can get away from God. But once the devil has you there, The famine comes. And this young man looked up from the pig pit and said, what am I doing? 
My father has servants and food and place to sleep. And I know this. If I'll just go and repent, if I'll just go and confess. And so on his way back, he began to rehearse what he would say. The Bible says the father saw him, ran out and met him and fell upon his neck and had compassion on him and wept. You see, because before that boy could ever get a word out of his mouth, he took one step towards the father. And that's all it took. He just took one step towards home. And the father said, is that my son? That's him. And he fell upon him and had compassion. He wept. You know, I, I wonder, child of God, listen, I wonder tonight how many people are out in the cold feasting on the husks in a pig pen and saying, I, I, I might go back if the people at the church weren't so judgmental, if they didn't look down upon me so much. You see, for that young man, there was nobody between him and the father. But for a lot of people, we have us standing in the way, unfortunately. I just want to just throw that in there for a second. Examine our own hearts. Have we been harsh? Have we been unkind? Have we not shown compassion? Is there one your thing? Has a name popped into your mind right now and thought, boy, I wonder if he, I wonder if I just extended a little compassion. If I showed the mercy of the Father to him, if I gave her a call and just reminded her that God loves her, I wonder what it would do. This boy simply took one, and and you said, does that really happen? There was one right in this boy's house. There was a brother that was bitter and angry that he'd be accepted back into the father's house. Why, Dad? I've I've always been here. You've never killed a calf for me. You've never thrown a party for me. You never made Mary. You never gave me a robe or a ring. Why? This one that has been dead to you. Right there in the Father's house. We're right here in the Father's house. Sometimes we do the same. I I said I've been encouraged to hear and see the people coming back. But I wonder if there aren't more. And I wonder if tonight maybe you're not one of them. Just take that one step. You know, the Bible says, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Do you know what I see in that verse? A great interruption. God, I have sinned. Would you please don't even say it? You already confessed it. I forgive you. I didn't even ask for forgiveness. No, it doesn't say you have to ask. It just says, if you confess. That's it. God has so much mercy, he doesn't have time to wait for you to get the rest of the sentence out. If we confess our sin, 
We, we get down and pray. No, and it's, hey, it's a good thing. God, I did wrong. I spoke unkindly. Please forgive me. I have sinned. I, and we beg God for forgiveness. God says, if you confess it, I've forgiven it. You don't even have to ask. That's a good God. That's a good father right there. Well, listen, maybe you're here tonight and you've been out in the pig pen. You say, well, I, I mean, I'm here every service. You're here in body. Where's your spirit? Have you strayed from God? Because I'm going to tell you this. When you get off into that faraway land for too long, and you've spent it all, when you've given everything to being bitter and angry and sorrowful and grieving, when you've given all over to sin, the famine's going to hit. It's not going to fill your belly any longer. He said, will it fill your belly? Sin has pleasure for a season, for a little while, just long enough to get you hooked. Then the drought hits. But the good news is this. The Father's right there. Friend, let me ask you tonight. Let's just bow our heads and close our eyes. You could be sitting right here in this pew. And you need to reignite that relationship with Christ. You need to come back to the Father tonight. No more playing church. Because that's all you're doing if you're, if you're off in that faraway land. It's all you're doing is playing church. Angry about something? Can I say this? Why don't you just let it go? And if you cannot let it go, go make it right. Go talk to somebody. Paul said, should we not rather be defrauded? Why are we upset about every little thing? You bitter? You bitter? Are you in sin? Rebellion. The Bible says rebellion is the sin of witchcraft, and sometimes we're just, well, I don't, I don't want to live how I was brought up. I don't want to live how the Bible teaches. It's just no fun in that. I want to. Yeah, there's pleasure out there, but it's only for a short time. And when its resources are exhausted, it'll leave you in a famine. You need the Father. You need to come back to God. Let's stand to our feet. The instruments are going to play. And why don't you take that first step tonight and see if God doesn't come running. See if God doesn't come rescue you. Take that first step. Why would you want to live in a faraway land full of famine and nothing but husks to eat? My father has plenty. Would you come?